Okay, all right. Uh, a quickie episode today. Rohit's not here because I'm recording this off the cuff. I just ha- saw No Time to Die and I have thoughts about it and I figured I could do this and address it in the moment as opposed to waiting on him because his schedule has been quiet on and off and my schedule has also been quiet on and off. So if and when we find films that we really want to discuss in the moment, we put them up here, the little mini episodes, so to speak. Now, uh, No Time to Die is finally released this movie I thought I would never see given it was, I think, one of the first few films to be affected by the pandemic. It was supposed to come out in March of 2020, then got bumped in November because the producers saw the extent of what the pandemic was going to do to our livelihoods, and specifically to, to cinema halls, and people were pissed off about it, but they kind of agreed, and then the time November rolled around, they once again pushed the film by another six months. I think it ended up... Um, it, it was supposed to come out in March of this year, then it got pushed again, and uh, I remember that November 2020 release being uh, um, a return to cinemas. Was the, that's what it was, the film that would eventually get people to return to cinemas. Christopher Nolan did it with Tenet, but he picked a really bad film to do it. Uh, for those of you who know, I am not a particularly big fan of Tenet. I like things that it does, but I'm not quite... I don't think it makes for, very, for a very cohesive story. It's just one loop too many, in my opinion. But that's that's an episode for another day. Now, No Time to Die uh, stars Daniel Craig in his final Bond film. We have Kari Joshi Fukunaga directing, uh, written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, series Stalwarts. Um, also, Kari Joshi Fukunaga is one of the credited writers, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge was brought in to punch up the script much later on into uh, into pre-production. Danny Boyle was initially attached with John Hodges' uh, script, but they were creative differences and they both walked. Uh, I would have loved to see what they would have done with this film because I'm generally like if you know any of if you know like Danny Boyle's line of work, Yesterday Aside, which I think is a very sterile Danny Boyle attempt. As a matter of fact, I think it if Richard Curtis himself had picked it up, but okay, whatever. Let's we'll we'll talk about that in another day. Now, uh, initial thoughts on No Time to Die. Fun. Actually, it feels like the most Bond film of the entire Dan Craig arc, and that's saying something. Initially, that title was held by Spectre, uh, but not for good reasons. I watched all uh, five of these, or rather four of Daniel Craig's Bond films in preparation for an episode we did a few months ago on his Bond uh, um, collection of, like, uh, of his Bond entries, so to speak. And in that, and Spectre just didn't hold up. I, had, I didn't like it when I first walked out. I thought it was very... It was a bit of a throwback to the 70s, but then the more I watched it and the more I thought about it, I didn't quite like it. This this is definitely a lot more fun. As a matter of fact, I'd probably say it's the third best in the entire series that that Craig has officially been a part of. Um, the film's... The plot is... is Again, it goes back to being more personal. Now, the, I don't think there's ever been another Bond where one storyline has carried through the character's entire arc or across films because each Bond has a film has existed as its own entity prior to Diana Craig's um, um, debut in Casino Royale. So the film tells the story of, um, of Madeline Swan. Basically, it is as much Madeline Swan's movie as it is James Bond's film. Uh, secrets from her past are coming back to haunt her, and how Craig Craig's Bond is is caught in is caught in the crosshairs. Uh, Bond is retired at the start of this film. Uh, he's then called back after Felix Leiter brings up a particular issue, which kind of ties into uh, whatever Madeline Swan is going through. Now, in terms of performances, uh, with regards to the film, 
they're much better here than they were with, let's say, um, let's say with, with Spectre. I actually buy the chemistry angle between uh, Sado and Craig here because now it it feels like they care. I don't know what it was about Spectre, but it felt extremely cold. It was him just barking orders at her, and there was there was no point where I was like, you guys don't particularly care for each other uh, because we were, <laughs> we were spoiled by the insane sexual tension and, and chemistry that Craig and um, uh, Craig and Eva Green had in, in Kishnara, Vespalin for me is the perfect bond girl. There is no one else. And her specter, no pun intended, hangs about his entire character arc. So much so that, and this is not really a big spoiler, but he's visiting her grave at the start of this film. And then things escalate from there and, you know, we, we have the, the plot of this film. Now, the movie is enjoyable. It's actually quite enjoyable. It's two and a half hours, two or 45 minutes long, but you rarely feel the pace of the film. And this is coming from somebody who has forced intermissions in the middle of uh, his cinema viewing experiences for any movie that isn't made in Bollywood or like in regional cinema. I don't, I haven't sat in a movie theater in God knows how long, specifically in an American one. And <clears throat> so for me to have been okay with the running time. The uh, was 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 all right. It wasn't something that particularly bothered me until we got to the climax. Now a lot. Speaking of the climax, very seventies Bond. So this is and I spoke about and I think I said spoke about this earlier. But this was the most Roger Moore Bond that a Daniel Craig Bond has ever been. He's such a wonderful callback to the sixties and to the seventies Bond. And more than me referencing Roger Moore, there is a lot of Honor Majesty's Secret Service in this one. One that the musical score specifically has hints to Honor Majesty's Secret Service throughout the film. There is a very um, direct tribute to it about 15 minutes into the uh, into the film. And the movie ends with a song from Honor Majesty's Secret Service as well. So very strong influences on this film. Um, there is, of course, the, the Lair Returns, which was once made redundant thanks to Austin Powers and Dr. Evil, so the traditional Bond Lair is back. Um, and speaking of Lairs um, and villains, Rami Malik Safin, I thought was a bit underwhelming. Yes, he services the plot, but he's barely in it. I mean, he's in it, but he's not menacing. His idea, his, um, his character motivations are much more personal, and then towards the climax, they shift it around and they make it more global, which there was nothing built building towards that switch in in motivation, which I found very, very strange. And it just didn't work for me. And I think that was the point. And the climax is the one part of this film where I'm like, mm, okay, the pace is off. Your character motivations are off. Your film, you're fumbling, fumbling the ball here. But then you... <laughs> Everything else that builds up to it is phenomenal. I think, um, first of all, beautifully shot. You can tell this movie has a budget. They spent $250 million on, on it, and they've marketed it almost three times. If you're anywhere in the world, you've seen marketing material for this everywhere. Like, if I open up my Instagram, it's on there. If I open up my IMDb, it's just like, might as well stop calling it IMDb and start calling it a uh, No Time to Die marketing campaign, because that's really what it is. And, you know, there's, there's a lot, 
mean, that aside, there's still a lot here that, that I w- would love to talk about. One, performances-wise, as I mentioned, everyone is great, barring Rami Malek, who I don't, didn't quite like. I think Ralph Fiennes is slowly morphing into <laughs> uh, to Bernard Lee, uh, Bernard Hill, sorry, Bernard Lee, and to Bernard Hill, because I looked at him and I said, you, are, you look the most Bernard Hill uh, of M's, at least, as, as far as I can possibly remember. And... You have Lashana Lynch, who plays the new 007. I quite liked her equation with uh, with Bond as they go back and forth. One is retired, one is not taking is the new guard, and things aren't always going to be rosy. Um, Money Penny is, is Naomi Harris in, in a small little uh, cameo. Is wonderful. Ben Wishaw has kind of made Q his own. I quite like what they've done with the character. Rather, um, it's no longer uh, him just quipping smartly. Like there's more depth to him. And there's a lot of, and, and speaking of, um, there's also a lot of video game influences in this movie. So there is a plot, and the plot point revolves around something that happens in Metal Gear Solid 1. Now, the island, first of all, seems very Metal Gear Solid. The, the plot device that pushes the, uh, the movie forward is extremely Metal Gear Solid. And there is an and in, in, in jumping over to other video games, there is a sequence in Norway, which is a if, if it's not uh, some sort of a, a reference to a Last of Us game, then I'm not quite sure what it is. There's also, <laughs> in terms of Bond influences, there is I think a very strong Doctor No reference in here. There is there's a Doctor No reference. There's a, there's a Silence of the Lambs reference. There is. There are you can <laughs> there are tributes that are sprinkled throughout the film, and if you're keeping an eye out for it, you'll you'll probably see what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, and, and before I forget, uh, Anna Dearmas's performance in this film. Oh my God, she is spectacular. She's in it for twenty minutes, completely takes out the movie. I'd love to see what they do with the cat. I hope they bring her back. Uh, Paloma, I think she's called. Absolutely phenomenal. She's this is her second outing with Dana Craig. Obviously, for those who remember Knives Out, she's once again excellent in that movie. She's excellent here as well. I would have never <laughs> pitched uh, the directors to take her that in in that direction, given just how haunting she is as a character. Like Brigadier Twenty Forty Nine, uh, she absolutely blew my socks away in that movie. And Knives Out, she was excellent as well. And here she's no different, in it, but yeah, in different, in, again, once again, more different compared to the last two characters. And that just goes to show the talent that she has. She's also absolutely stunning, which helps, I guess. Beautiful sequence. The entire Cuba sequence, which she's a big part of, was probably the most fun little bit uh, about this film. Uh, but yeah, final thoughts. Um, I would definitely go watch it again. It is probably number three on, as I mentioned, on, on my favorite Bond films. Quantum of Solace being the fourth, uh, Spectre being the fifth. Quantum was the last until recent uh, rewatches where it really grew on me. It is a film where it's where uh, betrayal, anger, and, and sadness play such a huge part. And that's what I absolutely adore about the film, if I do like anything about it. Go watch it. It's running everywhere uh, this Friday. I would highly recommend checking it out. It is... One of my favorite Bond films to have come out, I would, I would, don't think it would make the top 10 now that I've slept, over, slept on it. Maybe in, in the top 15 at some point. Uh, I know there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be pissed off with 
a few decisions this film makes. Um, but I thought it worked for the most part. Um, the climax is a bit unfulfilling. I will, I will say because purely because the stakes come out of nowhere and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm, I guess I'm here for the ride. And I guess that kind of might have been where the script ran into problems. And if it shows anywhere, that's the one place it shows. So, but still, on that, that being said, it's a recommendation from it. I'd recommend it, highly recommend you go check, check this film out and make your, make up your own mind about it. Like I said, may, may not please everybody, but I think it's a wonderful send-off for someone um, who has redefined uh, the franchise. He was not liked when he first was first brought in. He, his debut film is possibly the greatest Bond movie of all time. Um, he has two, actually, <laughs> he has like two of the best Bond films uh, in his repertoire, which is insane. How many people, barring Sean Connery, can say that? Um, so yeah, I, I would still go check it out. Let me know what you think, and I'll speak to you guys soon. The new episode should be out this weekend. Keep an eye out for it. In the meantime, take care.